In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We read in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said to the people, Ask now of the days of old, before your time, ever since God created man upon the earth, ask from one end of the sky to the other, did anything so great ever happen before? Was it ever heard of? Did a people ever hear the voice of God, speaking from the midst of fire, as you did, and live? Or did any God venture to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation, by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, with strong hand and outstretched arm, and by great terrors, all of which the Lord, your God, did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? This is why you must now know and fix in your heart that the Lord is God in the heavens above and on the earth below, and that there is no other. You must keep his statutes and commandments that I enjoin on you today, that you and your children after you may prosper, and that you may have long life on the land which the Lord, your God, is giving you forever. This is the first reading from today's Mass on the Feast of the Blessed Trinity, Trinity Sunday. Moses has the people wonder and question whether God ever did anything so great as he did for them, whether any people has ever experienced the intervention of God, the nearness of God, in the way that the holy people did, the chosen people did. Ask from one end of the sky to the other, did anything so great ever happen before? Was it ever heard of? Did a people ever hear the voice of God speaking from the midst of fire as you did and live? And God in heaven, we can imagine him seeing Moses's appeal to the people, hearing these words, and God would be saying something like, you haven't seen anything yet. Just wait until how close I get to humanity. Just wait until you see what I show you in the Incarnation. Because with the Incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, with you, Lord, who, whose presence we're in every time we pray, with the Incarnation of our Lord and in the sending of the Holy Spirit, God reveals to us the greatest mystery, the greatest supernatural secret, the nature of God's own inner life, the way that God is in himself, the blessed Trinity, that God exists from all eternity as three persons in one divine nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the wonder of today's feast the unknowable God, unknowable in himself, unfathomable, ineffable, has made himself known. The unknowable in himself, God, has made himself knowable 
through faith, through faith in the mystery of the Trinity. That inner life of God, which we can barely glimpse without the light of faith, which we can't really penetrate at all without him showing it, without revelation, without his revealing it to us, is cracked open by God's love for us. Lord, you know that in order to love you, we need to know who you are. We need to know what you're like. And you want us to love you. And so you tell us, you tell us about your own intimate life. Without faith, without revelation, we can know some things about God. We can know that he exists. We can know that he's all-powerful. We can know that he's omniscient, that he's all-knowing. We can know some things about the way that he has to relate to creation, that he's infinite, that he's not finite like like creatures are. But all of that is characterized by, by theology as, as a kind of negative knowledge. When we know you, Lord, in that way, we know more what you're not like than what you're like. We know that you're good, but we know that you're not good in the same way or in the same limited way that we are. And so we say, oh, God is super good, better than anything anything we encounter here with our own senses and with our own reason. We know that you're wise and intelligent, but we don't know what that is in itself. We just know that you have to be wise and intelligent, but much wiser than we are. And then when, when God reveals himself in Jesus Christ, he gives us this positive knowledge. I am Father. I am Son. I am Holy Spirit. A community of persons. And God is love. The Father generating the Son. The Son being generated by the Father. The Father and the Son loving each other, aspirating from each other. The Holy Spirit is God. A community of persons who love each other. Thank you, God, for revealing this to us because you want us to know you. You want us to adore you as you are, as a trinity. And so this, in a certain sense, it's the mystery of God's confidence in us. It's the mystery of God's wanting to be intimately known and intimately loved by us. And this is something we have no natural right to demand, no natural right to know. And it's a sign of great confidence, of great friendship on God's part that he opens up, He opens this up to us, this great secret of his inner life known only to himself from all eternity. It's kind of like when we are developing a friendship with someone or getting to know someone. Well, it's a good sign when they tell us things that are, that are personal, that are private, that make them vulnerable, that they, they wouldn't just tell anyone. It's a sign that they trust us and, and that they might want our advice on deeper things, more important, weighty matters in their life. And we too, in our turn, when we trust people and get to know them, well then, that's when we open up and tell them things that not everyone knows or not everyone should know. And this is what God does with us. He doesn't keep secrets from us. He tells us things that we have no right to hear that we can't demand to know, that are personal, that are private, that are intimate. And because he loves us and because he trusts us and because he wants us to love him, he lets us in on those divine secrets, the secret of his being three in one, one in three, 
God is profligate with his intimacy. God is, in a certain sense, loose with his intimate interior life. He shows it to us. And we need to respond with a similar with a similar openness, with a similar vulnerability towards God. Am I an open book with God? Do I tell him everything or do I not tell him some things because I'm afraid of what he'll ask of me or of what he'll think of them? Do I pray with the trust of one who is ready and willing to show God everything, to tell him everything that's happening to me, everything that bothers me? And we might object, well, doesn't he know everything anyway? What's the point of telling him things? Well, there's a difference. There's a difference between someone knowing something about us because they happen to know it, even something private or perhaps embarrassing because they've heard gossip or, or heard it from someone else. There's a difference between that and us telling them because we want them to know it. We want to share it with them. Now imagine you have a friend who you've heard something a little bit sensitive about, and the next time you're with her, you're kind of on eggshells. You want to bring it up because you want to help her. You want to let her know that you care and understand. But you're not sure if she wants you to know or if she knows that you know. And so you're a little bit on eggshells. You're a little bit worried about how to broach that topic. And then she comes right out with it and says, well, look, you know, I, uh, I'm i in trouble. I, I'm being sued because my family thinks I stole all the money from my grandmother who is, who is dying. Well, now, <laughs> now it's a different situation. Right? She's, she's told you what happened. She told you what her problem is. She's, she's come out with it. She wants your input. And it's the same with God. Lord Jesus, do I trust you enough to tell you what I'm really going through, what I really think about, about it, what I find difficult about it, what's in my heart? Lord Jesus, you opened your intimacy up to us, that interior life up to us, so that we can know you and love you. But also it's a mystery that we're, we're wrapped up in. The mystery of the Trinity is the mystery of my own Christian existence. Through Jesus Christ, we enter into the relationships of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is from the second reading, St. Paul writing to the Romans. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption, through whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If only we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, which we are, thanks to baptism and perhaps also confirmation, our sons of God, our children of God. And that spirit comes into our heart and therefore we can rightly call God the Father, our Father, Father, Abba, Father. You receive the spirit of adoption through whom we cry, Abba, Father. And what does that mean? It means that God the Father looks at us and treats us with the same love and affection with which he treats his divine Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ. Such, Lord, that the glory that you receive, the happiness you're experiencing, the comfort and the triumph that you are experiencing in heaven is also our inheritance as Christians. But there's a condition. (laughs) There's a condition. If only we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Purification is necessary. Detachment is necessary to enter into this life inside of the Trinity, to enter into this supernatural union with our Lord Jesus Christ. Even for our Lord, it was necessary. He asked those two disciples from a mouse as he's walking with them. On the road, he explains scriptures to them. And he says, wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer so as to enter into his glory? Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer so as to enter into his glory? Well, Lord, if it's necessary for you to suffer to enter into your glory, you who are sinless, who didn't need the kind of transformation, conversion, purification that we need, well, how much more necessary is it, Lord, for us to accept the suffering of detachment, the suffering of what the saints call passive purification, the suffering also of active purification, right? Our own working steadily and and ruthlessly even with a determination to overcome our defects, to work on our faults, to cut out any mortal sin and then and then any deliberate venial sin, cut it out of my life. Our belonging to Christ, our sonship, our being children of God the Father, our being inhabited by the Holy Spirit, has with it this condition that we have to work on ourselves. We have to let God work on us. We have to accept the suffering that comes with conversion, that comes with sanctification. The feast of the Trinity is the feast of God's confidence in us. Is taking us into his intimacy. It's also the feast of the mystery of our own Christian life. That we are now part of the Trinity because of our incorporation into Christ. We're participating in the very life of God. And it's the feast of it's the feast of our adoration. The mystery of what we adore when we adore God. Every day, perhaps, we pray that doxology, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It's a prayer that explicitly recognizes that the object of our adoration, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, the object of our adoration, the God who we adore as Creator, is the Trinity. And there's no other God. It's just one Lord. And and that one Lord and God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. It's so important and so good for us to make room for adoration in our prayer. Today's feast day is, is a reminder of that. Our soul needs to adore God. Our soul longs to adore God. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. God is the kind of thing that needs to be adored, that needs to be loved above all things. And our soul is the kind of thing that's made <laughs> made to do that. And, it, and unless it does it, something will always be missing. This is St. Catherine of Siena addressing herself to the Trinity. And we can make this prayer our own or reflect on it in our own meditation. I confess and do not deny that you loved me before I existed and that your love for me is ineffable as if you were mad with love for your creature. St. Josemaria kind of summarized that attitude. He, he, he said in one homily, he said, the Blessed Trinity has fallen in love with man. The Blessed Trinity has fallen in love with humanity. That's a thought that's, that's too much for us. Perhaps we've experienced what it's like to fall in love humanly and to have someone fall in love with us and, and be romantically or infatuated with us in some way. And it's a heady experience that, to think that someone could, could lose their head over us, right? To lose their heart and, their, and a little bit their mind about us. They're crazy about us. We're crazy about them, whatever. Well, that's what God has done with you and I. Your love for me is ineffable, as if you were mad with love for your creature. St. Catherine Santa puts it. St. Josemaria says, The Blessed Trinity has fallen in love with man. O Eternal Trinity, O Godhead, Catherine of Siena continues, which Godhead gave value to the blood of your Son, you, O Eternal Trinity, are a deep sea, into which the deeper I enter, the more I find, and the more I find, the more I seek. The soul cannot be satiated in your abyss, for she continually hungers after you, the eternal trinity, desiring to see you with light in your light. As the deer desires the spring of living water, so my soul desires to leave the prison of this dark body and see you in truth. How long, O eternal trinity, fire and abyss of love, how long will your face be hidden from my eyes? And the psalmist says, Vultum tum domini requirum. Lord, O Lord, I long to see your face. And Lord Jesus, you've shown us the face of God. You've shown us your face in the gospel. You showed us your face as you walked the face of this earth. And to see your face, Lord, is to see the face of the Father. And to see you and your love for the Father and the Father's love for you is to experience and to see the Holy Spirit. He who has seen me, Jesus says at the Last Supper, has seen the Father. But now, as St. Paul says, we see through a glass darkly. We, we have to exercise our faith. It's a, it's a conviction. It's a certain knowledge. The conviction of faith. But it's dark. It's not sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We see through a glass darkly. But we have to we have to see God in that way. We have to sit down in our prayer and say, as we say when we begin these meditations, my Lord and my God, the Blessed Trinity, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. 
I adore God with profound reverence. I bow before him. I submit my will, my heart, my mind, my body, everything to him because he's God and God is this trinity. God is this being who's one in three, who love each other and and has fallen in love with me. O abyss, O eternal Godhead, O sea profound, Catherine of Siena continues, what more could you give me than yourself? You are the fire which ever burns without being consumed. You consume in your heat all the soul's self-love. You are the fire which takes away all cold. With your light, you do illuminate me so that I may know all your truth. You are the light above all light, which illuminates supernaturally the eye of my intellect, clarifying the light of faith so abundantly and so perfectly that I see that my soul is alive, and in this light receives you, the true light. Lord, perhaps we've never had this kind of experience or this kind of faith that St. Catherine of Siena expresses here. Well, what should we do, Lord? How do we move towards it? St. Teresa of Avila has a helpful distinction in this regard. She distinguishes several kinds of ways of uniting ourselves to God. And a big distinction in there is, is the union that, that we can bring about and the union or the kinds of union that we just have to receive as a gift from God. And so there's, there's one aspect of being united to God and, you know, knowing him better, knowing him more personally, more experientially. And that, she says, the key to that is doing God's will, right? What's up to us is whether or not we're using our freedom, our will, to correspond to God's will. And obviously this takes his grace, right? He has to help us do this. So we can only be as close to God as we possibly can by doing God's will. But that's not the end. That's not the end of the story. We may or may not receive special experiences of God, a special kind of sense of His presence, a special sense of our union with Him, a greater knowledge of what He's up to and and how He's present in every moment how he's present in the Mass. Our subjective experience of how real God is to us in our prayer, the kind of sense or feeling of God, isn't produced by us. And so we can be doing the will of God and be generous about it and be living in faith, in the darkness of of faith and the conviction that we know that Jesus loves us. We know that God is real. We know that he's all-powerful, but not feel it at all. And be very close to God, but not feel ourselves close to God, not experience the love of the Trinity in a way that's that's something we can kind of uh, feel or experience. That experience, and it has many different grades or kinds, uh, mo- modes we could say, that experience depends on God's free gift and, and, and depends on God's good pleasure. And so we can't... F- we can't force it. We can't manufacture it. And sometimes I think this is a um, a kind of trap in our prayer life. 
that we think, well, I don't feel close to God. I don't feel God's presence. And so therefore, I must be doing something wrong. No, you're not doing anything wrong. If you're doing God's will and you're humbly you know, making acts of contrition, acts of hope, acts of, acts of faith, asking him for the things you think you need, adoring him. If you're doing all that you should do, that's in your power, and you're praying, right? you're living a spiritual plan of life, and you're sticking to it, trying to be generous, then as long as you're making that good, good faith effort, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that God, God wants you to work at it in a kind of dryness with faith. But in his good time, when he wants, he'll give you a closer experience of him. He'll give you a sense of his presence. He'll give you a more of an awareness of your union with him. He'll give you that sense that he's madly in love with you. And he might even give you the sense that you're, mad, that you're madly in love with him. And so those are things that we can ask for. Those are things that we can ask God for. But we ask him for it with this kind of detachment to say, Lord, well, if you want to give me this greater subjective experience, then please do. And be honest with him. I think I need it. Right? Faith alone right now, I'm too weak for that. Right? I'm, <laughs> I'm not good enough to, to, to live without more of a sense of your awareness. Tell him, tell him what you think about it. But if he doesn't give it to you, it's because it's not necessary. I have not known your truth and have not loved it. We return to Catherine of Siena talking to the Trinity. Why did I not know you? Because I did not see you with the glorious light of the holy faith. Because the cloud of self-love darkened the eye of my intellect. And you, the eternal Trinity, have dissipated the darkness with your light. Why did I not know you? Because I did not see you with the glorious light of the holy faith. Faith, not sight. Faith, not experience. The conviction of faith, not emotion. Faith is the conviction of things unseen we read in the letter to the Hebrews. The glorious light of the holy faith, that's what makes the Trinity known to us. And so on this feast of the greatest mystery of God. We could say the most mysterious mystery, the mystery of God's radical transcendence. How can God be three in one? How can three persons exist in one divine nature? It's ineffable. It escapes our mind. On this feast of that great mystery, the greatest mystery, the mystery of mysteries, we ask for faith. Lord, I believe it because you revealed it. I believe it because the church teaches it. I believe it, Lord Jesus, because you revealed it. Specifically, you, and I believe that you're God. Why do I not know the Trinity? Because I did not see you with the glorious light of the holy faith. Because the cloud of self-love darkened the eye of my intellect, and you, the eternal Trinity, have dissipated the darkness with your light. Because the cloud of self-love darkened the eye of my intellect. And so faith gives us that the light in which we see the Trinity, the light that is the Trinity, but our self-love, right, our sinfulness, our bad habits, our lack of trust, our wavering, our doubts, darken the eye of the intellect. And so therefore we need both that passive purification, Lord, in which through circumstances, through trials, you 
detach us from our own judgment, detach us from the things that are not you. You take away our health, perhaps. You take away our financial security. You can take away our our reputation. At times, very painfully, our Lord takes away the physical presence of of our loved ones. And we won't see them again until until we meet again in heaven. And all of this is is a way of of detaching ourselves from all that's not God, especially from our own selves, from our own affections. It's all a way of getting at at that self love, that idolatry of ourself, which keeps us from adoring the true God, the Trinity. So I look, Lord, I look. Send me on this Feast of the Trinity light to see where my self-love is keeping me from knowing the Trinity, knowing the mysteries of God, so that I can love them. And for this, we need time. We need time just to sit with our Lord, to think about God. Think about God as God. Be still and know that I am God. Not to do much. Perhaps just to ask him, Lord, give me the gift of faith. Lord, give me all the experience of you that you want me to have. Lord, give me an insight into into you, into what you're like, so I can love you more easily. Instead of doing things in the prayer, just sitting and trying to receive and and asking for the gifts that that God wants to give us. Asking for the gifts that we think we need. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady Mary Most Holy, Daughter of God the Father, Mother of God the Son, Spouse of the Holy Spirit, wrapped up in love with each person of the Blessed Trinity. Our Lady, Our Mother, Mystical Rose, pray for us, help us too, to fall in love with the Blessed Trinity who has fallen in love with us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.